Okay, today my guest is Professor Birgitta Grogart. I'll keep my introduction short to maximize our time with her. In the next 30 minutes or so, we'll talk about Birgitta as a person. Professor Grogart is a thought leader and an esteemed scholar, and finally is a mentor to many PhD students and junior faculty. For the sake of time, I will skip many of her accomplishments and give you a very quick snapshot. Professor Grogart is an active member of the global IB community. Currently serving as the Associate Program Chair for the Global Strategy Interest Group at, uh, group at SMS and President-Elect for the European Academy of International Business, EIBA. And she is responsible for organizing the annual conference in Oslo in 2022, hopefully. Uh, Brigitte has published in various IB journals and serves on the editorial boards for GIPS and International Business Review. She has also co-authored two research-based textbooks on global strategy and management. Prior to pursuing her PhD, Brigitte uh, worked for a multinational oil and gas company. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Happy to be here. Uh, first question always is, what did you want to become when you were a child? Oh, <laughs> it's a hard question because I think I wanted to be everything. I was all over the place. So I was never really, I never had a clear focus when I was growing up. And uh, I think it was uh, when I was in high school for the first time, I was a little bit more focused. And then I thought I would be an engineer. Um, and here I am doing something completely different. <laughs> uh, what major choose academia? Um, I, I, uh, I, it's <laughs> at one point, I think when I did my master's, I started thinking about wanting to um, continue doing research uh, and I'd like to have a job where I could explore things that I found interesting. So it was not until that stage that it entered my mind, but it, mm. it took um, eight more years before I actually took that step. Uh, and I think it was that feeling of being ready Mm -hmm. and, and wanting to go out and have some business experience before um, I took that step. Birgitta, where did you grow up? Um, I, I was born and I grew up uh, my first years in Sweden. Uh, and then we moved back and forth to the States when I was a child. So the first time we moved to the States, I was nine. So Sweden and the US. So I'm a Norwegian citizen, but I, I didn't live in Norway until my mid-20s. Interesting. Um, something that is not on your CV that people would find interesting? Um, well, I, um, my, my little secret that when I'm all by myself and I can close all the windows and shut the door, um, I really enjoy sitting down and playing the piano when no one else can listen. So, <laughs> and I started doing this maybe 10 years ago when my kids were small and, uh, it was a way for me to relax after they went to bed uh, and maybe soothing for them to hear some music as they were trying to fall asleep. So I really enjoy doing that, but I could never do it in front of people. What so it's not something you? I Sorry. What, what level of piano playing? Uh, what's the level? Oh, I'm, I'm, uh, I started as a beginner 10 years ago and I'm not very consistent in practicing. So I'm not very good. And maybe that's why I close the blinds and shut the doors <laughs> before I play. It's purely for my own pleasure, not for, not that anyone else would enjoy. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, if you stop doing what you're doing today, what's the second best alternative career path for you? Uh, 
I've been asked that question several times. I find it hard because I, I did have a different career before I entered academia and I really enjoyed it. So that was in the energy sector. I really liked it. And then I was in management consulting and I really liked that. So it's hard for me to say that this would be my ideal career, but maybe influenced by the pandemic and uh, the effects that that has on the society. I think today, if you, you know, in, an ideal career if I had done something else would maybe do be to do research within the medical field that mm. it really has an impact for society in a completely different way than the type of research that we do uh, within social sciences. Mm. Uh, regrets, have you got any regrets? Many. Mm. <laughs> in what area of life are you thinking about? Yeah. Uh, what's the what is one thing you wish you would have done that uh, that you didn't? Um, well, I think um, if if I connected to my current career and uh, prepping for that, I think um, being more focused on doing things more sequentially maybe, or uh, not spreading yourself too thin initially. So early in the career to have more of a narrow focus to really establish yourself uh, strongly in one area. I think that's my regret looking back. Hmm. Um, uh, what is your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Um, Oh, it's a, it's a question I have to think a little bit about. Mm. Um, I think my biggest failure was, um, and again, I'm linking this to my work situation, uh, to, to not make sure that I stayed on top of certain methodological uh, uh, developments. So, and I think it's easy if you spread yourself to different things, uh, it's a challenge to do that and, and to not be focused enough on, on keeping mm. attention to that. And, and for me also, I was out in parental leave for a while and then you come back and, and feeling like you're running behind on certain uh, aspects, especially related perhaps to methods that I think that's something that if I had gone back and done things differently also, I would be more focused on uh, I'm um, paying attention to that and, and trying to be at the forefront constantly of that. You're, you're right. I and mean, there's a new method coming up, uh, coming out every day. And I actually quite, uh, quite often read econometrics texts to, to keep updated. Uh, more than actually I'm reading SMJ or Jibs uh, articles. Um, and, um, I think that's a good idea to do. And I think I, I realized that... Uh, maybe a little bit late. So in that sense, it's running behind and trying to catch up in some areas, yeah. And the user groups are very helpful. Uh, mm -hmm. People chat about things, uh, there's sharing of code. Uh, it is really helpful. Uh, yeah, I remember used, uh, using Stata's uh, handbooks in the past. Uh, I started with Stata 9, and I don't know, it's like, two, I don't know what the number now, um, but we had these uh, books about Stata codes and uh, volumes and volumes of it. Then uh, it became obsolete because everything is online. 
you just get online uh, with this group and uh, they are very helpful. It's a good idea to keep up. What are you most passionate about, Brigitte? Uh, well, these days, um, I'm very passionate about uh, trying to do research that matters. So uh, that the topics that I choose and uh, uh, what I spend so many hours of my life doing that it actually is valuable to someone beyond our small bubble of IB mm -hmm. scholars, in a sense. And that's really, um, you know, I'm linking this a lot to work. I mean, I have other things I'm passionate about in my spare time. But uh, uh, but I think for me, in terms of where, where I want to focus my time, that's really something that I'm passionate about, that I feel like it has a bigger context that I can add to. Uh, let, let's talk about research specifically then. Um, about um, how do you explain your research to people who don't read your work regularly, uh, to locals in your neighborhood, uh, and why why your your research matters? Um, yeah, how do I explain it? This elevated question. Um, I, I find it surprisingly hard to try to boil down. Uh, you know what what I'm focusing on in a few words, I would say it's sort of as a very simplistic way of describing it. I try to look at the strategy and behaviors of multinational companies. Mm. And then underneath that, there are some sub areas. So I look at you know, how, how firms are develop flexibility to, to handle uh, external uh, dynamics. And I look at how they integrate their competences and transfer them across different parts of the organization. And I, I look also at how uh, changes in the environment or external environments in general influence the decisions to invest somewhere or strategy decisions in general in multinationals. So that's sort of my mm -hmm. area. Um, and then when you asked about methods, I, I sort of have straddled doing some qualitative work and some quantitative work um, throughout my career. Um about omitted variables or things that we uh, haven't explored enough, uh, underutilized so far in IB. Uh, what do you think some of these variables are, some of these contexts are? Yeah, I, um, I'm really careful to point at something and say that that's really an omitted variable. I think uh, um, for me, uh, it's it's more important to tie it back to the big picture, to the question of what does that mean for managers for trying to make it actionable than having specific variables that I would like to have more focus on. That being said, I think that there's a lot of research, uh, interesting research being done where we sort of skip the middle part of the equation and we look at outcome variables that sort of, they, they're proxies for something that we're trying to study. And if I relate that to my own research, that could be related to, um, uh, for instance, recombination. You know, we talk about that we need it, but what is it? Or we talk about how external factors uh, influence business decisions, and we might measure some external factors and some outcome, but we don't really necessarily know exactly what happens in the middle there. Um, and it was interesting, I, I did a, a meta-analysis with a former PhD student where we looked at uh, 
integration in multinationals and we were looking at knowledge transfer as one aspect of seeing what had been done in the field. And it was really surprising to see how few studies actually looked at what type of knowledge. And it's just to exemplify, you know, how we look at sort of the front part and the end part and not so much in the middle. So we talked about the mechanisms we use to transfer knowledge, but we didn't really in the field differentiate between the types of knowledge where we need these different mechanisms or mm -hmm. when something would be appropriate and when something might not be appropriate. So for me, um, you know, digging into, if you can call it the black box or, or putting it into bigger picture is more important than pointing at specific variables. Sure, sure. Uh, about creativity in research, uh, how do you define it and how do people, uh, or at least uh, you, uh, what do you think about um, in a state of idle curiosity? How, how do these great, uh, interesting papers come about? Um, I think for me, a lot of uh, thinking comes through the interaction with, for, for, exa uh, for example, executive students. So mm -hmm. when we have students that come in with business experience, or if you're in a context where you're talking to managers, or you might even just at a dinner party be talking about some issue with someone who comes from a completely different field and just sort of pushing me out of my comfort zone and pushing me out of the box that I'm usually in, because I think it's it's really, easy for us as IB scholars to be so focused on what's acceptable within the field, sort of what's a typical way of approaching some, something, whether that's methodological or theoretical, that we forget to really take a step back and look at it from different angles. Mm -hmm. uh, so for me, that's creativity to really just um, leave that comfort zone of IB scholarship and talk to someone that comes from a completely different perspective. Or it triggers creativity, at least from my perspective. But also uh, the new jobs uh, is actually quite creative. There are really interesting papers, uh, different methods, different contexts. Uh, I think it's it's the new jobs is great <laughs> from yeah. this perspective. Yeah. Um, about the future of IB, the next five to ten years. For example, if a patient comes to you and says, uh, you know, I want to think about some dissertation ideas. I don't have any idea of my own. Uh, could you help me? Uh, what would you give advice uh, on uh, the next five to 10 years of the field for good potential, lucrative, uh, fruitful areas of uh, IB topics? Mm. Uh, well, I think there's been a lot of uh, positive focus on um... Under, or addressing the big challenges. And I know there were some articles a few years about, about the grand challenges and, and mm -hmm. in the IB field. And, and we often talk about uh, not getting marginalized as uh, academia is developing also. And I think really uh, tying it back to trying to make it actionable and trying to bring it back to sort of the bigger challenges of society uh, from my perspective, will be fruitful ways to go uh, as IB scholars. Uh, not the only way, of course. Uh, there are many topics that are still worth pursuing that might not actually do that. But, but, but I think those will be the ones where that will help us bring the field forward and also connect more outside of our field. Uh, how was IB when you first started the PhD? yourself, the, the program yourself. And 
uh, in your opinion, how did, how did the evolution happen uh, from where you were and what it looks like now? Can you tell us the view from your window? Yeah. Um... I uh, I took my PhD in Norway, so uh, I think uh, it was influenced a lot by within IB sort of uh, also European scholarship. You had Uppsala model, and you had, uh, of course, also from the UK, uh, nice work coming out. So, uh, I, my feeling, and this is of course just my personal opinion, is that. It, the field has sort of moved more and more for a while to be more narrow, narrow and focused on being as rigid as possible in terms of uh, proving its scientific value, if I'm saying it a little bit rudely, maybe. So I, I definitely think that there it's important to also have rigid air, rigidness in, in research, but it sort of left some of those um, opportunities to, to go into deeper, richer material. Mm -hmm. So if I if I try to maybe not go uh, all the way 50 years back, but even from mid 80s, where you had a lot of very influential scholarship that was based on um, managerial insights, talking and communicating with managers, it seemed to go more into the econometric path for a while. Mm -hmm. but, but I think that's changing. And as you were talking about also, now you see a broader range of of methods and topics and phenomena that are being studied also. But but I remember uh, when I started out that um, people kept telling me, don't focus on the oil and gas industry. It's too, it's too different and too, too uninteresting for everyone else. So focus on manufacturing, focus on the big data, focus on the um, sort of the mainstream things. And I think now it's again, sort of spreading out to be uh, a more um, colorful landscape of, of what we're focusing on in IB. So it just seems to have maybe gone back and forth the pendulum a bit in terms of where the focus is. Uh, about uh, advice, who was your advisor? Who was your mentor when you were uh, becoming the scholar? Gabriel Benito was my supervisor, yeah. And what was the best advice you received? Oh, he gives a lot of very good advice still to this day. <laughs> I think uh, I go for him. Uh, I go to him for advice all the time. Uh, I think um, his best advice uh, was really in terms of thinking about contribution hmm. about when you're doing work and uh trying to have clarity and um and being able to communicate why it's interesting why it's important and and what it means and, and that's something that i really try to also uh, bring with me in conversations with younger scholars also to to yeah. emphasize that yeah uh from what you see in these tactile consortiums or these conferences, we used to go, <laughs> we used to re remember those. Um, well, what are some of the mistakes that you see junior faculty and doctor students make uh, almost routinely? That, yeah. uh, what are the things to avoid? Yeah. Um, one of the things that I 
I, I sense is that a lot of, uh, especially doctoral students, they feel the sense of urgency. So they just want to get something out hmm. and they might have a large data set they have access to, and they just want to find some relationships. And it goes back to this issue of why focus on this? Why should we be interested in this? And, and what does it really matter? And what is it giving us be, besides showing that there's some significance in a relationship? Mm -hmm. I think, but I think it's that sense of urgency that pushes people to maybe just grab onto something where they see some significance in, in numbers and then try to build a story around it more than actually thinking about the relevance of, of what you're trying to focus on. That's sort of the main thing that, that I'm concerned about when I'm reading some papers and commenting uh, or talking at conferences with younger scholars. And um, about advice that you would give, but I mean, what you just described, uh, does it equally happen for uh, students in America, uh, Europe, Asia? Is this common to all uh, three constituents uh -huh. or three types or, or other places? Uh, that we haven't named, uh, or is it the sense of urgency? Is it a uh, junior faculty thing because of the tenure clock in America or something else? Well, I think if I look at the PhD students at BI, uh, where I am right now, they all have that sense of urgency and, and maybe we're putting it on them, <laughs> you know, by saying when you go out on the job market, it's nice to have something, if not published, then in the pipeline in a very good uh, journal. Mm. So I think if I, your previous question about how has it developed over the past year, if I just look at sort of that sense of urgency, at least from a European perspective, I never felt that pressure to published the same way that uh, I think uh, PhD students today feel also in Europe. And when I'm at conferences, I also get a sense that it's quite global, that sense. I think it's probably always been in North America to a greater extent than other places. Mm -hmm. But when I meet um, younger scholars from, from Asia, from Europe, they all seem to also have an increasing sense of urgency. And then I think it's harder, as I was sitting here before saying, think about the bigger picture and what context, you know, what's the impact of it. I think it's harder to really think about it in that way when you're just trying to get a paper out very quickly. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Uh, Brigitte, this was very helpful uh, for the sake of time. Uh, what is one, uh, what's a question that I should have asked you but uh, haven't? Oh, um... I think uh, one question that I've sort of touched upon all the time, uh, so maybe I'm repeating myself, but it wasn't a direct question, is this uh, thought of when we choose a career as IB scholars, what kind of impact do we want to make? And, and what kind of research can we do that will satisfy that? Uh, because I think it's so easy to get caught in some narrow path where we're digging down into the nitty gritty details of some relationship that we're trying to figure out. We sort of get lost down there and we forget to actually think about who cares about this? Why should we bother looking at this? And what can I in my role actually try to contribute with? And maybe this is an age thing, you know, the older you get then <laughs> you start reflecting on that. But I think, um, it's a question that we should ask ourselves quite often. Okay, I'm asking the question to you now. What kind of impact do you want to make? 
what kind of impact do you expect IB research or at least your IB research to make? Uh, well, personally, I have in the past years become increasingly interested in the energy transition. And this is partly because of my background in oil and gas. Mm -hmm. uh, I also have a husband who works in oil and gas, and he's been with the ups and downs of the industry. Um, and I, I find that when, when I meet people outside of academia and I say, well, you know, I look at the integration of multinational companies and how they do this, they say, oh, okay. Yeah. And then we go over to something else. But when I start talking about, well, I'm researching energy transition uh, to see how companies can create the flexibility to leverage what they know today to succeed in tomorrow's market. Mm -hmm. And for some companies, they don't even know what tomorrow's market is, it might be something that's uh, under development. That creates a completely different enthusiasm and excitement also outside of my uh, work bubble in a sense. So I feel like mm -hmm. for me, that's where I'm hoping to make an impact uh, moving forward. And then build on, of course, these issues that I've looked uh, at in different contexts uh, in previous research, yeah. Thank you so much for this great interview. I enjoyed it. I learned a lot. I'm sure the, uh, the, the audience will agree with me. Thank you, Brigitte. Thank you so much for having me here today. Thanks. I enjoyed it.